Hello and welcome to Kineo Stream of Thought. I'm Paul Westlake, Solutions Consultant at Kineo, and today we're going to be speaking about interactive video. So let's introduce the people joining me today. I'm Krista Woodley, I'm one of the learning consultants in the consultancy and design team. I'm James Corey Wright, I'm a head of learning design. I'm Liz Smith, I'm a lead solutions designer working in the bid team. I'm Pete Smith. I'm the technical team lead on the learning content team. Thanks all. So I guess the obvious place to start is by defining what we actually mean by interactive video. I think we mean by interactive video any kind of video that um, you can interact with to make it do something else. I think we're all used to video that you can watch passively, play, pause... But to me, interactive video means something that's got layers or that you can control in some way to make it go in a different direction. Yeah, so you affect the course of what's happening by the actions that you take. And also, I think it has to be within the frame of the video itself. Um, so I think maybe previously we might have had a video and then a, an interaction following that in a kind of standard e-learning format. But in, when I think of interactive video, I think of everything being wrapped up together and the interactions in the video being being with each other. So rather than the interactive video being an element within a traditional piece of learning, yeah. the video is the learning. Yeah, just that the, the interactions are taking place within the frame of the video itself. I think that's the kind of key thing. Okay, so would that mean a, a sort of traditional branching video where we just make sort of a choice and it goes off in a different direction? Do we see that as being interactive or are we going further than that? That is interactive video, um, but the, um, well, the, the recent advances in um, advertising and marketing have sort of led to a different kind of interactive video where you can also click on embedded hotspots within the video and click through to other events and other media and other content. So give me some examples. When, when would we use this? Well, it's, it's, about, it's about interactive video. So it's when you would need to play to the strengths of both the video and the interactive element of it to create a kind of... Uh, third dimension, a, 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 something that's greater than some of its parts. Right, so is there any certain topics in this works particularly well with, or, or more to point, have we seen anything where we thought, you know, it just doesn't suit? Um, yeah, if you, I mean, if you want to show something, just think about the video for a bit. So first of all, you want to show something, say, uh, has a perception. Uh, maybe you want to uh, show a behaviour. Um, you want to show scenarios, you want to do reconstructions, you want to dramatise something. Or if you want to show a skill or a process using fly-on-the-wall or documentary-style video, um, then that makes sense to use the video part of it. And if you also want to make that sort of stick more, um, then obviously you, and you believe that you can do that by getting people to engage, then it follows that if you make it interactive, then it's going to be that much more sort of uh, sticky. Um, and so the combination then of video and interactivity is a no-brainer. You go for a interactive video. Yeah. In, in some cases, the video is, is the learning. But could we fit an interactive video piece within an, a piece of traditional e-learning? And, and you know, maybe as a, a quiz at the end or a yeah. test, if you like, a challenge. <clears throat> yeah, certainly. So it might be some cases where you want to have a knowledge element separately. So that could be a more traditional learning base. And then you want to test that and see if people can apply that to a scenario. And then you might use the video in that case to do a, a challenge. You might switch that on its head, do the challenge first and get people to have a go, see if they play around with the video. I think 
interactive video is great for exploring consequences and different options. Um, and like Krista was saying, you can see how you can affect the action by doing different things. And it doesn't necessarily have to be the right thing that you do. You can, it's a really good learning point to do the wrong thing and then see what happens in the interactive video. You might then go on to some more traditional learning, find out some more information and go back and do a further challenge at the end or perhaps even come back to your original video and be able to kind of navigate your way through it more successfully so once you've found out a bit more. So picking up on, on, on that bit, so traditionally when we've used, or one of the traditional models we're using, we'll show someone and then we'll test them, so show yeah. me, test me. Um, and going back to something James was saying there about sort of these hotspots, so could we use those in different ways to do exactly that? Maybe have the same piece of video where one, I'm assuming these hotspots don't have to be hidden all the no. time, and it could be, could we do that in a sort of show me, test me style? Yeah, so the, say it was something like um, hazard perception, there could be the first time they're kind of shown to you and you explore the different hazards that are in the scene, and maybe the second on the second time you go back to the video, uh, the hotspots are hidden, and then you have to kind of work out for yourself the, where the different hazards lie, or something like that could be, could be applied. Um, I think the other thing to remember is that you can do scoring all the way, way through, which is something that's relatively new as well which means that introduces the whole idea of gamification. So you can use interactive video to produce sort of gamified content. You can have you know, scoring, you can have levels, you can have uh, people sort of uh, going back up, going off into different uh, places and so on and so forth. So I think in the end we'll see a lot more game-style interactive video. In other words, almost like video games, but, but not graphical, but actually made with real video footage. Pete, if I, could, if I could bring you in at that point. So I think when we talked about, or when, when my perception of video is is quite broadband heavy, um, you know, I, I'm probably not going to consider... I, I guess we go back to this idea of, you know, you see the buffering sign we used to see every time and wait for a video. That that goes completely flies in the face of what we're talking about with it being engaging and interactive. I don't want to click on something and wait. And so how, how are we working around those concerns when we're designing interactive video? It's a really important point and one which we need to get right because you're absolutely right. There's nothing more frustrating for the user than having a video stop partway through and rebuffer. So that's really where we need to make sure that we do have enough bandwidth. So it's not always going to be the right solution. Video is still more bandwidth heavy than a really lightweight course for them. Delivering someone a PDF that they could read offline, there are still instances when it isn't going to be right. However, um, nowadays, Wi-Fi is much more prevalent. People generally have better connections, certainly if you're talking about a UK-based audience. We've got much, much more uh, bandwidth available to play with than we used to. And at the same time, the technology's got better. So modern codecs are very, very good at compressing video and delivering really very small videos, very low bitrate video to users um, quickly and efficiently. So there are lots of things that you can do if you're a bit worried about bandwidth and that you should do in terms of um, you can have a bandwidth sniffer up front so you can check people's bandwidth and display the appropriate um, rate of video or size of video to that user. Is that, is that a way the likes of, sort of Vimeo and that work where they know if you're on a 3G or if you're on Wi-Fi and they play the same video but a different sort of quality levels, is that the point? Exactly. So you can have an auto-detect, and um, sitting behind the scenes, you'd have a high-quality, a medium-quality, and a low-quality video, um, and you just play whichever one you detect is the, the best one to deliver to that user so that they get the optimum experience. It's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it, because I think 
There's more, the more we talk about video, the push seems to be for higher and higher, you know, 4K video, everyone's got 4K video on their phone in their pocket now, and I, I was uh, reading an article last week and they were saying there's now 8, 8K video just launched in, in Japan, and yet the flip side of that is you often watch the news now and it's people sort of streaming stuff back from their camera phone, it's totally acceptable to watch that, and let's face it, years ago no one would have accepted that quality, so it's a bit of both, isn't it? It is, yes. I mean... People are used to that lower quality video stream, especially if they're looking at things on a smaller screen. You don't need huge high definition to get your main message across and to make a video which is engaging. And at the same time, if you look at the content, if you optimize your content to your bandwidth, it's um, something which is, say, a talking head video is much less bandwidth intensive than something which has got lots of movement in the background. So again, if you can optimize your content and um, make sure you've got as many static pixels in the frame as possible. That makes it easier to compress the video much further. So you can get perfectly acceptable video down at 350, 250 kilobits a second if you pick your subjects. And I think it depends on, again, the content of what you're trying to get across as well and the learning message. So for, say, for an introduction to a company, a series of selfie-style videos where um, it's kind of talking heads, introducing your, to you to different people that work there would be perfectly acceptable. Whereas if you're trying to show a fully-fledged kind of drama situation, yeah, yeah. it make it comparable to EastEnders, then obviously then you need to have a, a bit of a higher quality. So I think we also consider the quality of the video in relation to what we're trying to show. Okay, and how, how does that process work? So as a learning designer, obviously mm -hmm. you've got an idea in your head of here, here's a list of outcomes that I want to try and achieve, here's what I want the user to yeah. go to at the end. What, what do you, when do you see something and think, I think video would be a good fit for this? Or is it more that the, the client says, I want to use video? I'm, I'm guessing we're not pushing everyone down the interactive video route for everything. No, um, like Pete says, it's not suitable for every single situation. But I think upfront, when you're looking at um, the subject matter of what it can be, you know, as James was saying, kind of behavioural skills are a key one, things you want to show rather than see if you're doing a course on body language, you know, you're going to show that a hundred times yeah, easier yeah. in a video than you are with just pictures and words, you know. So um, it's thinking about what you're trying to show. And then also, I think the engagement of the audience group as well, like who is it aimed at, how are they going to be, kind of um, accessing and taking the learning on board and, and is video something that's really going to kind of appeal to them and fit in with them? I think certainly, um, just move, just sort of taking that point, I think certainly in the last few years, I think we would have had an approach where we'd think actually, you know, this audience isn't right for interactive video, they wouldn't be comfortable with it, but I think increasingly recently everybody is comfortable with video. Video is just such a boom. Everybody uses YouTube to learn how to do things. I don't think that um, we're in the same situation that we used to be, where we would think that's not right for that audience. I think certainly there are technical situations, environments where it's not right, but I think, I don't know if you're finding that, Liz, yeah. in your job, that increasingly we expect people to be open to video, and increasingly, even because, as James was saying, interactive video is coming into marketing, people are using it on their websites, it's part of the kind of cultural vernacular we're used to, we're getting used to interactive video and we're certainly used to video. Do you think there's a, still a perception though that the second we say, or the second we mention video in any solution, we've just put the cost up four times and there's a perception of, it, well video is just so expensive we can't go down that route, so how, it, well firstly is that the case, is video as expensive as, as, as people would have you believe? I think when people, sorry, I think when people um, 
think of the cost of video they think of the really high end as we yeah. were saying you know the fully fledged drama situations multiple actors multiple um, locations maybe and of course all of those things are going to keep adding to the cost and meaning you have to film more and more um, and sometimes with interactive video I think people also might make an assumption that that's branching video which it doesn't have to be but again then you would be filming more because you'd be showing multiple routes through so I think people have a, a cost in mind of that higher end video but as we were saying, there's tons of things we can do that aren't on that on that scale, that are kind of lower cost, but still like really perfectly acceptable to get the message across. Um, Selfie style video is one example of that that we've used quite a lot, where people literally just do films on their mobile phones, you know, and just film themselves talking about um, or their colleagues talking about who they are, you know, their experience of working at that company, and so on. And those have been really well received by learners going through our courses. That's, that's really interesting. So we might might maybe need to take a step back and and look at how the process works then. Mm-hmm. So from what you just said there, I can come to you with a piece of video. So. You know, in layman's terms, that hasn't been shot as an interactive video. That's a piece of video we make interactive, is that right? Yeah, that's right. And and another great thing about that is we can then use, um, say, your own marketing or advertising right. videos that you already have the copyright to and that you own. You could share those with us and then we can make those interactive. So as part of us adding that technology in, we can work with what you already have, which again is another great kind of cost-saving option because you're taking out that whole cost of a video shoot um, and you're just doing the kind of development work the design work that's needed to turn that into an interactive piece so james you mentioned earlier about hotspots and this just said there about taking sort of standard video and and, and laying over things over top but what can we lay with over that what else can we do with interactive other than hotspots well the other thing we can do we can use the graphical uh, techniques um to for example show what people are well, Sherlock on the telly is the, is the big leader in that. When you watch Sherlock, you're watching the film, but there's also loads and loads of graphics going on showing what people are texting, what uh, people are emailing to each other, what people are thinking, what people are saying who you can't see. You can put all this sort of graphic, bring all this graphical dimension uh, into the video as well. That's one example. Okay. Video within video? And no, then... um, video within video, when you click on the hotspot... Um, and within the video, it can take you to another video, uh, which is completely sort of different. It can take you to an animation. You can click through to pieces of learning content. So, so the video itself could be a, sort of a container, if you like, an engaging container. And then within that, we could have, as you've already said, some sort of quizzes, questions, other pieces of video, all wrapped up together in that one thing that the the learner themselves are sort of, sort of navigating. So it, yeah, it, it the, sort of ties in with what we've, we've discussed before about sort of the gamification piece about, you know, users tell us that they want to be in control, they want to go where they want to go, they, they want to have input into it rather than feel like they're being led along a line. I know in reality they probably are, but if we don't make them feel like that, they're probably going to be more engaged with the piece. Yeah, or you engage them so much uh, in, in the the story that you're telling in, 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 the, in the film or the video that you don't really notice that you're being slightly guided as you go yes. along. Um, yeah, you mentioned, I mean, the, the video itself can be is like a moving m- menu of, um, of things as it progresses. Because um, a modern interactive video means you can sort of launch anything you like from within the video itself. It can then act as a kind of menu for a whole chunk of learning. So we've just been doing some R&D work with a, a piece of drama-based interactive video, which uh, Krista's been working on. 
Yeah, I mean, to give you a rough outline of how it works, um, it's, a, it's a video drama that um, takes people uh, through their first week in the workplace. So it's for new starters, so it would be, you know, ideally placed for graduate recruits or apprentices. Um, and you follow the drama, and as James was saying earlier, um, it has this element of gamification. So if you're, you go through and you're supposed to be clicking invisible and visible hotspots to access these other assets, all of which can gain you points. If you miss opportunities and you kind of start lagging behind on the point scoring, then you drop down into a, a different video stream, which is less favourable, where in the drama people are less helpful, less friendly. So that's seamless for the end user, though. Yeah, they yeah. don't see it flipping. No, no. So you, but you do, you get that sense. You get that sense that this place isn't as kind of as helpful and sunny as it was when I was doing well. So it. You know, it's that idea of behavioural consequences that Liz was mentioning earlier. It's a really, really good world in which you can play out those consequences, as well as exploring as you go, which is, I think, a really, really nice, neat idea around the idea of starting work. Because when you start work, you, you are exploring and sort of just testing things out as you go along. And you get to do this as you go along in the drama. Well, it's, um, there's nothing better than learning from your mistakes. And um, one of the great things about interactive uh, videos, it enables you to you know, create an environment, but, which could be, because you filmed it, yeah. can be completely realistic, but within which you can make mistakes. And, and I suppose and, you can step back as well if you wanted to do it that way and let people have another go or make a decision exactly. and see how it plays yeah. out. I think this all sounds pretty high-end, Pete. So do, do we need, like high-end machines for that? Do we need decent desktops? Because I'm thinking, you know, in a lot of cases, it's the bring-your-own-device thing going on. So is this stuff going to play out on the iPads and tablets? We took a, a decision when we started working with interactive video specifically to not lumber ourselves with old browsers and old software. So we've targeted this specifically at the Evergreen browsers. Um, so IE11 and Edge, latest versions of Firefox and Safari and Chrome, and uh, for the mobile operating systems, the very latest version of iOS. So can we run the interactive video on all the devices that are out there? Um, there are lots of old devices <laughs> out there, so no, you <laughs> certainly can't, you, run, you it can't run it on, it on your Game Boy, James. No, <laughs> no, you can't run it on an old Nokia, Nokia 7700, but um, yeah, modern smartphones, if, you, if it can run the latest version of iOS or a modern version of Android, then it can run interactive video. And if you take us one step further, thinking about um, L&D professionals now, obviously as, a, as an L&D person, I've always wanted to know exactly who's done the course, how far through the course, how well did they do. Traditionally, when we put video on an LMS, it's did this person click play, yes or no, and that's basically it. Can we go further than that with interactive video? Do we get a better understanding of who's done what? Uh, you can do, potentially, and as always, um, when we're talking about anything e-learning, then we always come back to the same conversations about the various APIs for, for tracking performance. And so where people are using a, an LMS which still relies on one of the flavors of SCORM, then you are still restricted to the main things that you get with SCORM. So you can build interactive video that will post back um, all the normal data about responses to questions and sending scores and an idea of completion, all of our old friends. Um, if you've got something which will work with XAPI, then obviously you've got a lot more scope to come up with a lot more feedback on that. Where, where do we see this going next? So we've, we've described a lot of where we are today, and by the way, where we are today is seems leaps ahead mm. of, of when we initially started using video, which was putting a, you know, a, a, play, a play button and a video within a course. But where would we like to see this going? 
I think as we see uh, virtual reality devices become more prevalent on the market, then that's going to become a consideration. So we've started exploring the possibilities of things like 360 degree video, where you can um, film things and have a camera that films every single angle, um, and then be able to potentially explore that area and then bringing that into the interactive video as well. It's something that we're, is in the future, but um, it's something that we've kind of started to explore. That'd be a, a really bit. nice fit for something like a, a security guard doing a, a travel path around a shopping yeah. centre, for example, you know, and have, are they spotting the things around them exactly. and are they interacting with them? Yeah, you could use it for it. a security course or maybe crisis management or, you know, something like that where people are, are really be, have to see, have to look around their entire environment, mm. find clues, look for things and then potentially use that to kind of solve solve the situation and I guess that sort of thing adds sort of longevity to it as well it's a bit like when you go through the Mario game isn't it you can get from point A to point B quite quickly mm. but then you haven't collected you know most of the coins and you haven't been to a lot of the different areas and you yeah and I think everything. it makes an experience a lot more exploratory and a lot less linear which is a really nice way to do it so that you could go through and you know you could get to the end as Winston says you might not go on the perfect pathway you know you might you you would get to the end but you wouldn't have pick it up on all the things that you were supposed to have seen and then potentially you could go back and find those again they could be pointed out to you or or repeated back in the feedback if you'd like to find out more about interactive video you can download our latest guide lights camera interaction from our website or also keep an eye on our blog posts Mm -hmm.